to do accents, but they always end up being Sean Connery. Like he'll start and it will be, you know, like Julia Child. And it as he's talking, it turns into Sean Connery. I love that. Every time. Yes. <laughs> so we're back. Uh, oh, we're recording. Is, of course we are. <laughs> yes, that, all your juicy noises. Your juicy Sean Connery I noises. thought it was green when you recorded. It's red when you record. Oh, now I know. I think it's notoriously that color is associated with re- recording. On air. But doesn't red mean stop? The re- that would be stop talking because you're not recording yet. Red means and stop. It- <laughs> but in radio and podcast land, when the red light turns off, then you're clear. But I won't include any of our Sean Connery accents, <laughs> which literally has nothing to do with autumn or the fall. Uh, Highlander feels very fall vibes. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, I, well, I want to put a kilt on right about now. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Feel a nice breeze. Plaid. Sure. I was thinking more <laughs> cozy plaid <laughs> scarf blankets, but sure. I have a mask on, but I'm blushing. Uh, <laughs> I think a kilt is probably more cozy in the summer, but we're here to talk about the autumn. It's, of course, a little too quiet. The Ferndale Library podcast is brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. You've been hearing Cricket and Sarah talk about kilts. <laughs> Hello. Hello. It's Cricket, and that is Sarah in succession there. But they're back to talk about books. If you're a dedicated listener of this podcast, then you already heard them talk about summer books, and now it's nearly the equinox, everybody, and we're here to talk about the fall. We still have two weeks. Are you fall people? Are you autumn people? I'm uh, an autumn... As, as Bradbury would say, uh, October people, autumn people. I am an autumn person, but I don't like to rush summer because mm-hmm. the only thing I love more than autumn is summer mm. and winter I dread. So I just like everything to go in the correct order okay. and stay as long as it needs to. Okay. Sarah, thoughts? I like seasons. I like four specific seasons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, uh, fall is my favorite. Summer is like a close, but I also like spring a lot too. And really like, let's not badmouth winter. I would love to badmouth winter. (laughs) We can have a whole separate podcast that's just me complaining about how cold I always am. Doesn't that sound fun? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You know where it's never winter? Bogs. That's correct. Never see a I was just in a bog. Was it? Warm and kind of humid. No, uh, uh, humid. Yes. Yeah. Did you see any bog monsters? I did not. Okay, just checking. Cricket, naturally, summer, summer is your jam. Yep. But anyway, yeah, I think autumn is. I think that you find a lot of reading lists online, books that make us feel like fall, and generally, I feel like you'll almost always see books that involve school to some degree. Help me out where I won't look at my notes. What is that Donna Tartt book? The movie? Oh, Secret History. That's on my yes, list. Yes, indeed. Can we start with the Secret History? Sarah? It is the classic. Take it away. Back to school novel. <laughs> it's like 20 years old because she only writes a book every like 10, 15 years. I think she's only got three. It's her first book. I really like The Goldfinch quite a bit, but The Secret History is such a classic back to school book. It is, uh, you learn in the very beginning chapter that somebody in this close group of friends has been murdered. And so it's sort of a thriller that unspoils backwards about this tight group of friends at a an elite New England university. Mm-hmm. 
and they are studying the classics, obsessively studying the classics. So it hits all of those like New England cozy notes, but but like a sense of dread is is creeping in. Are they preppy? Um, some of them. Some of them. Okay. But they're tr- they're trying to stand apart, like a really obsessively so. And um, I I would describe it as like terrifyingly beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I got like this is a film reference, but I got like Whit Stillman, Wes Anderson vibes. Like these are these are preppy people in a way, but okay, too smart for their own good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. No Donna Tart for no you. No Donna Tart. I've always been intimidated by the size. <laughs> it, it is very long. I've always been all in, of them. I've always Listen, been intimidated by Donna. Since our summer <laughs> books recommendation, I have spent almost all of the time in between these two podcast recordings reading Lonesome Dove. Oh, yes. Listeners, if you did leave <laughs> off. We we assigned uh, Cricket reading homework to read it. Like Unless under- I am behind on my Goodreads reading challenge for the first time in the 10 years Goodreads has been doing reading challenges. And it's because of Lonesome Tough. Because she dutifully finished a 900 page book and still liked it. Despite- I did like it. Um, I just have to read a lot of short books for the rest of the year. I, I have a short I have a couple short ones on my list, too. Yeah. Donna Tart, Secret History. But it sounds like something I would love because I, I like... So. New England, mm-hmm. the classics, yeah. preppy people at a school. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love a good boarding school book. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even going to talk about this, but go for it. In my years as a teen librarian, I just loved a good boarding school book. And there's one by E. Lockhart called "The Disreputable History of Frankie Landau oh, Banks. Banks." I love that book, which is just a treasure. What else did Lockhart write? We Were Liars. That's her right. Other yeah, I was going to say, one. I had the word liars in my head. Yes. Okay. She has several books. She's a wonderful writer. I have enjoyed just about everything she's written. But disre- I said disreputable, right, the first time. And then the second time I, I choked. Um, That's my favorite well, disregard one. disregard her. Yeah. <laughs> disregard my disreputable pronunciation of disreputable. Did you have another one on your list beyond that surprise one that you wanted to start with? Well, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Oh, good pick. Um, Because it is the type of spooky that I like, which is kind of like adorably gothic. Atmospheric. (laughs) Atmospheric, but not too gory. Mm -hmm. Um, have you read that one? I haven't read that one, but I've read other Shirley Jackson and I think she does hit the good, like spooky, creepy without being scary. Right. Yeah. Um, so we have always lived in the castle is about two sisters and I love books about sisters. As proven on the Judy Bloom reference before. They weren't even technically sisters. sisters. They were best friends, but they were like sisters. But yes, I do love sisters. And I just realized another book I wanted to talk about today is also about sisters. Um, I have two sisters. I am a sister. That's a a big thing that I do with my identity. But um, we have always lived in the castle. It's about two sisters named Constance and um, Mary Cat, which Mm -hmm. is short for Mary Catherine, which I think is really cute. And I've always wanted to get a cat and name it Mary Cat. And they um, live in this big crumbling house with their uncle and something has happened to their parents and their brother and everybody in in town um, ostracizes them. And well, okay, so what happened? It's not it's not a spoiler. What happened to the parents and the brother is that they were poisoned by arsenic Mm -hmm. and everyone assumes that the older sister, Constance, did it. Mm -hmm. 
But did she? But did she? And that that's what that's what you're gonna find out if you read the book. And it's just and I feel this way about all Shirley Jackson, but it's just a lovely book. Maybe it's an early evening in fall and you have a cup of tea and a blanket and you just kind of ensconce yourself in a really cozy nook and read this book. I really recommend you do that. Nice. I don't have a transition out of that, but I should just say that uh, Ray Bradbury. Pick up literally anything Ray Bradbury ever did, except maybe Dandelion Wine where he is fully in summer mode or Martian Chronicles where he's fully in sci-fi mode, but literally everything else, this man loved two things in the world. He loved three things. He loved his bike and he loved libraries and he freaking loved the autumn. He writes rapturously about the autumn, poetically, fever dreamishly about the autumn. Uh, He cannot get enough autumn. He wrote Halloween Tree. He has a collection of short stories, The October Country. Uh, But the shout out I will give is to something a little more obscure that thankfully our library owns. It's called From the Dust Returned. And it is an interesting little experiment. He's kind of pulling some greatest hits from some short stories he's already written and mashing it up into what I wouldn't even really call a novel. But it is about a family known as the Elliots, who are a a menagerie of different kinds of monsters. It's not scary. It's not horror. It's cutesy in an Adams family kind of way. They, in fact, live in a big old dusty Adams family kind of house. There is a matriarch who is a, uh, a mummy, of course, and there's a big old family reunion coming and all the ghosts are floating back in and the monsters are worming their way back in. And man, he just writes so beautifully. It's just about a family reunion of monsters and rapturous writing about the autumn. <laughs> that sounds perfect. From the dust returned. So yeah, what else you got, Sarah? I have a good, I describe it as a love letter to autumn. Okay. It is a teen graphic novel called Pumpkin Heads. Ah. by Rainbow Rowell, and it's illustrated by Faith Erin Hicks, who is one of my favorite graphic novel illustrators. And it is about two teenagers, Josiah and Deja, and they are working their last night at a pumpkin patch before the next year they go off to college. It is just cozy vibes everywhere. Plaid, pumpkins, they're eating all of the like cozy fall pumpkin spice treats and mm-hmm. caramel corn and donuts yeah Cinnamon maybe donuts. and i just like everything about it is super delightful i think um you know even a ya graphic novel that adults would still like because their relationship um kind of has like a nice slow build and burn the so like the characters are great the vibes are great everything about it is just completely joyful and I cannot wait to revisit it again this October. Nice. I, I, a, meant, I meant to pick that book up. I'm sorry, Cricket. I, that's okay. It's great. From the book cover alone, it looked really adorable. And I know that Rainbow Rowell does some amazing work across right. the board. Cricket? I love Faith Aaron Hicks. Um, I was going to say that I have a graphic novel that I could recommend also for your autumnal perusing. <laughs> oh. It's called Scarant Hood okay. by Nick Roche. R-O-C-H-E is my best guess. As in not parenthood, but Not parenthood, but scarenthood. It is about a group of parents who bring their kids to the same daycare, which has some hilarious name that I can't remember. It takes place in Ireland. 
The daycare is haunted. Um, a little boy who happened to be the brother of one of the parents disappeared in the hall years ago. And now spooky things are happening and these parents are trying to figure it out. What happened? They keep like falling into little time warps or um, disturbing something that looks surprisingly like a bog monster, like could uh-huh. potentially be a bog monster in the forest. Um, and it was just delightful. I read it a couple of weeks ago and it ended on a cliffhanger, which was um, disappointing because book two isn't actually out yet. But I really liked it. And I said, I'm going to talk about it on this fall books podcast. Excellent. But yeah, shout out to, I mean, I feel like we're going to risk and I'm not going to avoid it. I feel we are going to risk. I won't avoid it. Sarah might not like it. We're going to risk traipsing into teasing the horror podcast we want to do later because spooky vibes are just going to inevitably come in with the fall. But shout out to graphic novels, whether you want to get into Sandman or Lock and Key. Sandman was on my list. <laughs> oh, we'll get, back, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. Let's revert. Let's, let's veer away from graphic novels. We'll come back to graphic novels later. I want to talk about an author who I haven't talked about on the podcast before. Never once. New author to Sarah. His name is Michael Crummy. Now, he's from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Only on this podcast has that become a running gag. Author of Galore. I'm not going to talk about Galore. That's another thing that I read after the summer podcast. That's right, you did. You're very dutiful. I read Galore, too. I'm so obedient, yes. This is, if you feel like it, a perfect sequel, a spiritual sequel to Galore, in that it is modern day and it's still on it's still newfoundland it's still the shores of newfoundland it's called sweetland which is sarah's either taking notes or she's already read it fine i will put it on my list okay you don't have to it's fine though uh the old man at the center of it moses sweetland gives the book its name it is this little village community town tiny town has been there for 12 generations but it's becoming uninhabitable it's the forces of nature are just eroding the land and really their houses can't really safely stay up. So the government is trying to resettle them and buy. But the deal in the book is either the, like the whole town has to go in order for the government to dole out their money. Uh... We can't have one old crazy bastard who wants to stay here uh, stubbornly. And that's what Sweetland, that's what Sweetland does. It's a, it is a bit of a spooky book because obviously this man is haunted, but not really... <laughs> Not in an overtly depressing way. He's just got, he's just got a heavy heart, okay? He's got a heavy heart and he's got a lot on his mind. And he does encounter a few vague apparitions every once in a while when he's out walking along the shore. And it just had that kind of, I need to put a jacket on and eat soup and kind of like sit by the fire kind of vibe to it because it is Canada and it is cold. <laughs> it's and not the, just Canada. It's like, it's Newfoundland, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And the sun is setting early and all that kind of stuff. And I did read it during the autumn, which also augments those those vibes. But uh, this podcast knows I'm already a fan of Michael Crummy and Newfoundland. Sweetland came, <laughs> came out about five years ago. It's really good. It's a real good, it's a real good cozy soup by the fire book. Cozy soup books. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I grumpily said that I will put it on my to read list, but I do enjoy Michael Crummy. I think he sets a scene and creates an atmosphere that's really um, like palpable. And I, that's something that I enjoy out of fiction. Yeah. 
You know what I enjoy is telling people I'm going to put their reading recommendations on my list because and they don't know that my list is 700 books long. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. But I will, you know, Lonesome Dove and Galore went right to the top. I read Summer Sisters and Galore. Yeah. See? So. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I'll do, I, I I'll read, do cutsies for the right book. I read The Lincoln Highway by uh, Mr. Towels. <laughs> yes, Mr. Towels. <laughs> Towelless? Tolls? Tolls? Tolls. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I like Mr. Towels better. <laughs> okay. What else you got, Sarah? I am going to move away from Newfoundland and your literary vibes and uh, totally go someplace else. Mm-hmm. So I think that witchy romances are having a moment. And I love it. I am totally here for it. I do not love a lot of magical realism in my fiction reading, but this seems to be an exception and I like one I'm okay with. So one that I want to talk about is called the X-Hex. X-Hex. It is by Aaron Sterling, which is a pen name, which I don't quite understand this, but whatever. Uh, I think it's a branding thing. It is a pen name for Rachel Hawkins, who maybe Cricket knows, domestic mm-hmm. thriller writer. I'm going to say something out loud that I'm going to force Sarah to defend or uh, confirm. Looking at the cover of that book, a word that came to my mind was cutesy. It is. To- it's totally cutesy. Cutesy. All right. It's a lovely romance between two people with witch-like power. And the plot is bonkers. Like, don't, <laughs> you know, it's one of those romance plots. Like, I don't... There's a hex, and I don't, I'm not, (laughs) nobody reads romance for up the plot. Um, But I did think the characters were great. Their development, I thought, was really emotionally satisfying. But again, what really made this one stand out to me is it is full-on fall vibes. It's October in the North Georgia Hills. There's also a university involved. So everything is very cozy. The One of the main characters, family runs like a Halloween gift store. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, There's a talking cat, which is hilarious. Um, I just, I thought it was delightful. I listened to it on audiobook. I thought the reader was great, too, if you're into audiobooks. It's a sweet, fun, fast read. If there's a Halloween element that I'm interested in. It is very Halloween-themed. Okay. Maybe too much? Uh, That is not possible with me, so you sold me. (laughs) Wait, have you read a romance yet? Sort of. (sighs) There's that one time, there was that one time I read that silly book for our book club. What what is that silly book? It was called The Switch. That is not a romance. Oh yeah, we had a whole debate about that. We did have a whole debate about it. Yes, it wasn't, yeah, it was like a cutesy BBC made for TV movie. strong romantic themes, but I would not call that a romance. Yeah, lifetime movie vibes. I think you should read a romance, Jeff. Yeah. All right. Well, then it's going to be the X-Hacks. X-Hacks. <laughs> Which is also the name of a band that I really no. like, FYI. It's not the X-X, the X-Hacks. There is a band called the X-Hacks, but there's also literally a band called the X-Hacks because there's a billion bands. So trust me, that there's there's probably a band called Hex-X too. So. There's a billion bands and Jeff knows all of them. I'll know all their names. <laughs> All right, so that's what I'm I'm dutifully picking out the XX. Cutesy.
What else you got, Cricket? Well, shocking no one. I also have a few domestic thrillers yes. to recommend. And I don't know that they are specifically fall-themed so much as I personally enjoy a good domestic thriller in the fall. Although I say that, and I also enjoy a good domestic thriller in the winter, <laughs> spring, and summer, <laughs> but... That said, I'm going to recommend some anyway that feel particularly fallish to me. And one of them is When the Stars Go Dark by Paula McLean, who notably has not written domestic thrillers before. Where do I know that name? The Paris Wife. That's right. Circling the Sun. So she... Loving Frank. That's Nancy oh, Horan. Yeah. They have that in common that they both like to pick like famous wives of like a historical figure and then writing a novel about what their life might have been like, which I love. I am a sucker for that. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. That could be a whole nother podcast. I could do a podcast based on that display I did one time that was just like, I married a famous dude and someone wrote a novel about me. That's right. But that is for another day, my friends. Um. Paul McLean, yes, writes excellent historical fiction. And then her most recent one is called When the Stars Go Dark. And it's loosely based, very loosely, in that um, her own life didn't have quite so many domestic thriller elements into it. But like um, on her growing up in California and then um, returning to the place where she grew up and just kind of observing the things that had changed since she had been there. And in the book... um, she has returned to this place where she grew up. She was a foster child, as Paul McLean was in her actual life. So now that I'm starting to talk about it, I'm afraid I'm going to start talking about her memoir by mistake. Um, but yeah, it's it's just beautifully atmospheric, and it's got some like good twists. And there is also a dog named Cricket who factors heavily into <laughs> the book. Which I jokingly told people that the dog was named after me because the book came out after I had met Paula McLean at an author event. And a lot of people actually believed me, but it's not true. The dog Cricket is not named after me. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, um, I fibbed. You need to write a book called A Dog Named Cricket and A Bog Named Cricket. I accept this challenge. (laughs) See where where it goes. Yes. Um, But but it's got fall vibes. Yes, it's got fall vibes. Yes, this is my very rambly way of saying I recommend that book and I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to spoil the twists. All right. I'm going to take us back to witches and to school. I love it. I know it's coming. And Sarah can help me out on this. This is a book called We Ride Upon Sticks. We Ride Upon (laughs) Sticks by Quan Berry. Am I saying a Quan? It's Quan Berry, who is from that, that general area of Massachusetts, Salem. Uh, this book takes place in the late 1980s when the Brat Pack was still a thing. Mm. And it's about a team of uh, girls high school field hockey. It's right at the beginning of the season. So fall is right around the corner. And they have 10 games to play, if not nine, I think. And they have a little notebook, like a trapper keeper or what have you, emblazoned with a cutout magazine picture of Emilio Estevez. And it becomes their... Oh man, I'm gonna have to look this up. There is there's a there's a word for that book that that witches hold sacred. Anyway. Well they all sign their names in the book. Right. And take an oath right. to sort of inspire chaos. Mm-hmm. That's a good oath. In return for a winning season. That's and it right. 
it's told from multiple perspectives, sometimes a what first person plural perspective. It is large constantly referred to as we got ready for the game. We were talking about this. Yeah. We were going to prom. We were stealing a car. We were we practicing. We love Emilio Estevez. We signed our names in Emilio. And at no point will you ever, and you are not supposed to, find out who is actually the narrator. It's a, a oh. weird experiment of... It's like Joshua Ferris. Then we came to the end. Interesting. Oh, yes. I loved girl. that book. It's a good one. So much. I mean, I have theories about who mm-hmm. is narrating, which I think everybody who's read it mm-hmm. does. But yeah, it evokes, I think, this, like the atmosphere is so great in Salem. Um, they're sort of like calling back to the the witch trials a little bit. Right. Um, and this, the location-specific nostalgia, I think, is really deep. Like if you grew up in Western Massachusetts at that time, you would like know all the places that are being talked about. But I think as somebody who didn't grow up in that area, I still loved the like the 80s vibe to it is still like just so fun and very chaotic though not your average coming of age story also not your average like the craft this is not this is this isn't and i think that's why it's so good this isn't is that overly it... indulgent of witchy no it is surprising at every turn yeah how much sports is in the book actually a lot well I was Peri- just going to say not very much. <laughs> Peri- so peripherally. Peri- yeah, but I feel like they are referring to it a lot, if not engaging in it. I don't know. It's a, it, they're being a part of a team right. and the winning season are crucial, but it doesn't go, it's not like a play-by-play of here is what happens when you play field hockey. Right. Okay, that's good. I think it, it is one of my go-to suggestions these days because I just think the dark humor in it is great. I think the the characters are all really well drawn. The atmosphere is great. And the fact that like you just have no idea right. when you start this what kind of wild ride you're on. Right. And I also don't like I think we already did spoil it, so I don't have to worry about spoiling it. That you don't find out who the narrator is. Kind of a spoiler, but <laughs> I feel like you will be able to get into the book's groove faster if you are not spending your time driving yourself crazy trying to figure out the equation of who this is. Yeah, you just kind of have to ride with it upon sticks. Because you need... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so sweep that aside. Um, yeah, I think you meet... Sweep that aside. Somewhere between 9 to 11 main characters. I can't remember, but it is. And then you're thinking, well, is it is it this one? Is it this one? So yeah. And you just keep thinking that forever. School, coming of age, fall, Salem, witches, autumn vibes. Yes your next pick sarah i am going to keep the school fall vibes going um i love university fiction i love academic satire um and my very favorite of this genre is a slim book so not a 900 page whopper called dear committee members oh by julie schumacher this came out like two years ago schumacher. Like no the follow-up book came the dear committee members is probably about eight years old by now okay there was a follow-up book called the shakespeare requirement that came out gotcha maybe like three or four years ago so this book is it's an epistolary novel Mm -hmm. it is a series of letters written by jason fitz fitger who is a creative writing professor um at a small 
unnamed sort of Midwestern university. And he he has been wronged. Okay. By just about everybody. His oh, ex-wife and he has it out real bad for the like economics department. And so he's trying to write these letters of recommendation and these letters to various deans in the school. And you think at the beginning, I'm I'm going to hate this because I don't need to read even a slim novel about a white, middle-aged, white dude whining about his job. Sarah, how did you just read my mind? Because <laughs> I, I, like I, I know you. <laughs> it strikes, because I think the author is herself a college professor, it strikes the right tone. It is bitter and hilarious. And yes, it's whiny. But it is also like sharp and witty. It's super smart. Um, How you learn about this character and what you learn about him through these letters is just like brilliantly executed by the author. I think it is so good. It is so smart. And it's like this cozy academic setting. I just loved everything about it. I, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Lovely. Lovely. Cricket, what else you got? You want to say The Sandman? Can I talk about Sandman yet? Yes, of course. Yeah, I want to talk about Sandman. I mean, um, also, Neil Gaiman, almost same with Bradbury. Like yeah. Coraline, oh, the yeah. uh, little girl who lives by the house by the lake down the lane. I always get Oh, the line. ocean at the end of the yeah. lane. Thank you. Yes. So you've probably heard of Sandman <laughs> because <laughs> you don't live under a rock. Right. And Netflix just launched its show, which I was afraid to watch. I actually had a conversation with a patron whose opinion I trust who said I could go ahead and watch it because they cast it well. So I I will watch it. I haven't yet. I was afraid to because I was afraid it would disappoint me. I loved it. I only have one bad note. Uh, Mark Hamill voices a character and he only gets one scene. Oh. Spoiler. One scene. Give me more Mark Hamill. All right, proceed. That is disappointing. Um, Yeah, so I started reading Sandman knowing absolutely nothing about it. And it was just the most unexpectedly delightful. Moody. Mile of graphic novels Mm -hmm. I have ever read. Mm -hmm. A lot of (laughs) text. Extremely moody. um, A lot of text. A lot of illusions. A lot of jumping back and forth through time um a lot of characters um there's seven god siblings the endless the endless and i'll try to name them right now out of memory dream is our main character Mm -hmm. aka morpheus aka zaman then you have death desire destiny destruction delirium and i forgot Damn it, I almost got them all. Isn't Delirium kind of two? No. There's a seventh one, though. Yeah. Listeners at home are screaming at their earbuds. Yeah, I know. I'm so embarrassed. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, I mean, that's basically, those are the anchor to the story. Yes. And and just, you know, how, how they affect people's lives throughout time. And, um... It's just beautiful. And that's really, that's actually all, (laughs) that's all I want to say about it because it's too hard to like pick a storyline or a character to follow through all of it. You know what I mean? Like, 
I just I just want everybody to read it. That's basically it. Despair was the seventh. Despair. Despair. So uh, Sandman, let's see, it is the early 1900s and there is some kind of Lovecraftian mansion where an old rich white man lives and he wants to capture death, but he inadvertently captures dream and the world goes into sleep paralysis or something like that. That's where the book starts. Mm-hmm. Go on your adventure. I have not a easy segue from that. Just going to take us off in an entirely different direction, but might still involve magic. It at least involves fortune tellers. It's The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin, which is a book about four siblings who go to see a fortune teller, sort of, who can tell you the day that you're going to die. And this is a book that I found to be surprisingly cozier than I thought it was going to be, because I thought it was going to be a bit highfalutin in concept and perhaps overly literary in prose. And it turned, it kind of turns into a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a thriller, and definitely a family saga, but also uh, what I found to be a really satisfying meditation on life and death, because these four siblings find out when they're gonna die. And so they have to sit with that because obviously one is told that you're gonna live into your 80s, one is told you're gonna die at probably not even 21. They have to, uh, and the next four segments of the book, you follow the next four siblings through the rest of your life. And I know it's not cheery, but I think autumn is an ideal time if your constitution is up <laughs> is up for it to, <laughs> to ruminate on life and death. I mean, what what is autumn if not a complete like representation of, of the end of something? Mm. Um, but again, it is not necessarily a heavy book at the end of each of the four segments, I won't spoil it. I'll say that it does get heavy, but um, it actually has a surprise. Also, not a spoiler. It all has a surprisingly like happyish ending. Okay. It ties it up. Uh, so I think it could be disarmingly more cozy than you think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and it involves. Uh, it does involve magic uh, to an extent. Uh, escape artist kind of vibes. Houdini kind of vibes. I liked it. Another cozy, cozy soup by the fire kind of book for me. Kind of early sunsets kind of a book. Chill, chill in the air. Tara, over there across the table laughing at me. I, that's been on my to read list forever. I'm going to like maybe re-add it. I don't know. Um, I keep meaning to read that. She said with shade. <laughs> no. <laughs> also, yeah. just look at the book, though. It has this starkly black background and a tree with autumnal leaves all over the place it does have so that must subliminally affect how i'm regarding it i think the next book i want to talk about is cheating a little bit okay. because i'm fairly certain and i think we've all read it but i think it's fairly certain that it is set in the springtime but it does not give off springtime vibes i have a book that's not set in the fall i'll bring it up when we get back to me Go it, for it is uh mexican gothic yeah. By Sylvia Marino Garcia. I haven't read it. I keep meaning oh, to read yeah. it. So it is to me it it it's set in the spring, but it's set in like the this mining town in Mexico and the in the mountains and it's very foggy all the time and there is a literal creepy crumbling haunted mansion situation. They stroll through a cemetery and they are 
chilly. They are saying it is cold in the cemetery. So even if it is the spring. Right. She's always putting sweaters on um, in the house. So to me, it feels it gives off the fall vibes. And I'm just I just picture it now as like a fall book. And I think that it's a great sort of like soft horror book that um, puts a little bit of a feminist spin on some classic um, or what was sort of classic uh, kind of sexist and racist uh, horror authors. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia Marino Garcia is a, such a smart author. Um, but and in doing so also creates characters that I you really care about. Um, you're invested in the whole story. Um, it's a little bit more plot heavy than what I tend to really like reading, but I think the characters kind of saved it. Also, there are paper dolls uh, available on her website that you can put a literal sweater on a paper doll. It is so cute. And there's like a Spotify playlist. Um, I love an author that just, I, she just loves everything about- She accessorizes. All, yeah, yes. She's offering it out there for her readers. I think it's great. Uh, I am only halfway through it, so I can't say too much. But yeah, the vibes are there. Also, it's not like spring is overtly mentioned, and she's kind of subtle about even mentioning what time period it is. So, But it is interesting what she does. She, The way that Silvia Moreno-Garcia is writing, she's saying... I don't know, she's doing these playful things where she'll enter a room and say, it looked like something out of a gothic novel. Like she has those meta kind of things. Or this seems like a Bronte. Like Bronte's, it's on the page. So she's letting you know what she's doing, I guess, in terms of, I don't know if it's an homage or what she's doing, but it's awesome. It has um that, uh, not a direct comparison, but for me it has that um, uh, get out vibe where it's like, you are trying in the shoes of the main character. You're like, what is going on here? And the next few pages, you then ask, what is going on here? <laughs> so it just elevates, but not too scary. I was going to say it, it kind of, it tiptoes the line of right. it kind of teases out. It's creepy though. Creepy, I found that the but creepy not books scary. I'm into often do use the word gothic. So I don't know why I haven't read it yet. <laughs> okay <laughs> so many books so little time paper dolls paper dolls i know i have i've actually looked at the paper dolls more than once get any other books great no that was all the books that i wanted to our list was like interestingly like very shy on sort of the required reading assigned in the to all of us i'm sure in the fall sure, sure. um maybe for a reason i guess there there is one book that <laughs> Now that you mention a book that I was assigned to read for women's literature in college that I read in the fall and have since reread in the fall because it felt like such a fall book, mainly because of the time period I read Mm -hmm. it in, Mm -hmm. um, which is called Face of an Angel. Okay. And I can't remember the author's name, which is very embarrassing. Um, But it's about several generations of Mexican women. Mm -hmm. And what ties it all together is food. So it will make you very hungry. And each chapter is named after a different milagro, different miracle. And it's always been like a very fall book to me Mm -hmm. just because I read it in the fall. But Mm -hmm. I didn't think that 
counted as a good enough reason to bring it up in the Fall Books podcast. Denise Chavez Mm. is the author. It's a beautiful, beautiful book, and it will make you very, very hungry. And I think you should read it now in the fall because then you'll share my feeling that it is a fall book for no good reason whatsoever. I've got other books that just make me feel like fall, and it's like... The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz. See, I read that one in July, so it doesn't feel like fall. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like chill, crisp air, soup by the fireplace again, kind of vibe. I read it outside, and it was very humid and muggy and bog monster. Oh, so it is a summer book for cricket. <laughs> it's not funny how our reading experience, though, really does color like our memories of the book. I have the same thing with music. Did you have anything else on your list, Sarah? I did not have anything else on my list. I was thinking about all of those assignments and things we were assigned back in school, but you know, like I don't, nothing is sticking out to me. Oh man, I have to look it up because my brain is not working. I mean, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is a very like creepy, atmospheric, foggy, London, wet London cobblestone streets. Mm, I do love a wet London cobblestone. That book is really long, though. Cricket. (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) Great, great book if you like footnotes too. By the way, I don't. (laughs) You know, two strikes. (laughs) Uh, I also got fall vibes from a book that Sarah has mixed feelings on, called Matrix by Lauren Groff. Again, only because of its chilliness, because of its like damp, rainy, cold, Novembery. I need to put a coat on kind of medieval, very medieval, medieval vibes. I was glad that we had a conversation halfway through that book, or yeah. I was like three quarters through the through that book. Mm-hmm. And Jeff and I had a conversation about what he he helped me finesse my expectations of the end. And it was helpful. Yes. And I finished it. Right. And it was fine. I didn't love it, but I'm glad that we talked. Yeah, I think that her aspirations were just more moderate, more smaller than than her, whatever that other big book that she put out that got onto Obama's summer reading list that I can't remember the name Fates and Furies. Thank you. (laughs) It's hard to follow up Fates and Furies. Okay, that one, this one was a little more subtle. Thanks, Obama. She has a book about a bog monster. What? Why haven't I read that? The Monster of Templeton is one of her very early books. Fantastic. It's set in upstate New York. A very lovely, like, little tribute to, um, a, like, a place. A bog. It, well, you know, a, a lake. I stretch. I am right. It's a, it's, a, it's a lake monster. There were a couple of books that I, I held too. off my list because I'm saving them for our horror podcast, which, and the reason I am saving them specifically for my horror podcast is that they are, as Sarah requested, um, safe for scaredy cats. So, or however you put it. That's a great way of putting it. I love it. I think a lot of people hear horror and are scared and, and without knowing very much about the genre, stay away. And I think that's, there are different levels within the horror genre of like super duper scary. Mm -hmm. And then things that are just sort of like a little chilly, tingly, the older I've gotten, Creepy. the older I've gotten, the less I've wanted my horror to be murdery. Yeah, it doesn't have to be murdery. Sometimes no. the the less you know, yeah, the scarier. Yeah, but well, that's thanks. for another podcast. That's for that. Yep, that's coming up soon. Um, Stay tuned. Happy for... fall, everyone! I hope that you can find a nice warm bowl of <laughs> butternut squash soup. 
and flavored with sadness (laughs) salty with tears (laughs) little existentialism you know just wistful ruminating on life and death as you watch orange leaves crinkle outside your window and you add a little nutmeg maybe to your butternut squash maybe have some tea cayenne pepper as you carve pumpkins and read uh books about grumpy old men in in newfoundland or romances with witches that may or may not get actually spicy like spice in spice sugar spice everything nice where am i going with this Um, (laughs) what uh you know what toil and trouble i bet the phrase toil and trouble is somewhere in your book i'm gonna read it anyway i can't wait great that's an episode of a little too quiet with lots more book recommendations from cricket and sarah thanks for being here you too thanks for having me (laughs) thank you jeff that was an irish inside joke was it that happened before we pressed the red button (laughs) goes out to Lindsay conquest pain uh thanks for listening to to us talk about a lot of books we'll have every title that you heard us ramble about in the show notes and so you can go check them out from your library thanks to john duffy the local musician who gives us our music and thanks to the friends of the ferndale library who made this podcast a reality please remember to rate review and subscribe and please tune back in next week for another episode which will probably be about horror see you then